Amen. Do take your seats this afternoon. So we're continuing our series, Who Do You Think You Are? So I'm going to give you an opportunity to take your cell phone out. It's going to be a little different this afternoon. Take your cell phone out, go to the notes, and I want you to write down three things that you would say describe you. It's not a trick. It's a serious Serious thing, it's going to be very interactive this afternoon. Take out your phone, go to the notes, and write down three attributes, qualities, giftings, anything that you feel would best define you. Not the person next to you, and don't offer them your view. Focus on yourself in this moment, because it's who do you think you are? If you're not writing down or typing down on your phone words or ideas, beliefs, promises, along the lines of, I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the Most High God, I would have a question for you. If you are not writing down that I'm clothed in royal robes of righteousness, I would have a question for you. If you're not writing down things like, I'm loved by the Lord Jesus, regardless of my circumstances, I would have some questions for you. You are who God says you are. Amen? Second question I want you to consider this afternoon, and we're going to unpack this a little bit, is what are you carrying? Now, ladies, I don't need to see what's in your handbags. I've seen some of those handbags. I don't know what's in them, but there's a lot of stuff in them. But I want you to explore, and I want to think, us to think a little bit around, what are you carrying? Because so much of what we carry then transmits into what we do. Make no mistake, we are called to create culture. We are also called to extend the kingdom. These two dynamics, kingdom extension and cultural creation, go together. We know that God is our creator, and he's called us to be creators as well. So what does it mean to be a carrier of the kingdom culture, and how do we apply that to our lives and to those that we're called to connect with? Well, some of you might be thinking, well, what is culture? Saturday afternoon for the boys, going to the football, get a few beers in. I would like to suggest that the definition of culture is found in the total range of activities and ideas of a group of people with shared traditions, which are transmitted and reinforced by members of that group. In short, culture consists of our beliefs, of our values, and our behaviors that are specific and unique to that group of people. It is an expression of our beliefs and the values of us as people. For us, our values are found in Matthew 5. Let's turn to it. Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, known as the Beatitudes. I'm not going to take time to read them for us, but those are our values. And the resultant actions are portrayed in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. That message is a manifesto for us as Christians this afternoon that our moral and ethical and social principles must be of the kingdom of God. What Jesus taught was totally different to what the religious authorities and cultural people of the time, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, had taught. Theirs was law, regulation, and shamed obedience. But we're taught the Beatitudes. We're taught to live as kingdom-centered, kingdom-cultured people. And that's, the, that's what will value and shape our lives. This is a manifestation which brings recognition about who Jesus is. The purpose of the Sermon of the Mount is to stop Christians behaving like the world and to start carrying the culture of God's kingdom everywhere you go. And it's probably 
I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but it's probably just about the biggest frustration about being on the staff is I don't actually get much opportunity to create culture because I serve in the church and I serve in the office. So I'm surrounded by Christians all the time. And I wish that there were weeks where I could be you. I really do. I wish that I had the opportunities to sit in the school classrooms, to sit on the boards, to sit in the meetings, to sit in the schoolrooms, to sit wherever it is that you're doing life and help shape that culture. You are perfectly primed and positioned where God has positioned you to make an impact. And you might be thinking, well, actually, I don't like my job. Sorry about that, but God called you there right now. So we have to want to want what God wants us to have, even if it's tough for us. The kingdom of God conflicts every other kingdom. So you're either in the kingdom of God or you're not. The type of conflict will change depending on the season and depending on the atmosphere that you are in. And I want to encourage you today, be an official ambassador, be a representative of the kingdom of God, and you will carry that culture everywhere you go. As you embrace your ministry as a representative, you will understand Christian culture, the values, and the spiritual warfare that you are involved in. Paul described it in 2 Timothy 1 verse 11 when he was speaking to the Gentiles. Whereunto you I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Now the word teacher, the word preacher, sorry, in Greek is kirox. So if you're making notes, K-E-R-U-X. A kirox was an official representative of the kingdom sent by the king to convey the wishes, laws, and values, and expectations of that king. Without that, it is impossible for people to understand the culture that they are called to live in. So when Paul describes that call as an apostle, we have a better understanding of it. The Bible speaks for us very clearly, Matthew 6, verse 33. Let's turn to it together. Matthew 6, verse 33. Words I'm sure that we all know well. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So it's not merely sufficient to seek the kingdom. We have to also seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Every kingdom has a culture. Not only do kingdoms have a culture, they have values. And those values represent society. So I've just come back from a week at a university studying for my degree, and we were deliberating and debating a lot around post-liberalism. Does anyone here know what post-liberalism is? Okay, so I'll help you out a little bit. Post-liberalism is the, is the belief or the, the, the approach that, that good works is sufficient to help people show Christ. So, for example, you serve at a food bank or you serve in a homeless outreach or whatever, that you're being really helpful to those people and you're demonstrating the kingdom through actions. The challenge with that is it dilutes the gospel. The challenge with that is that it becomes... It loses its place in this very pluralistic world that we live in, whereby they see no tangible difference between our lives and theirs. There's lots of atheists, there's lots of agnostics that go and serve at food banks, that go and help at homeless outreaches. What makes us different? What makes you different is that you carry the light, the love, and the truth of Jesus Christ in you. That the power that conquered death, sin, and the grave lives on the inside of you. That's what makes you different. That's what makes you stand out. And so my question for you, and it's a question I asked my Wednesday group once, is I found one of these memes on Facebook, and I couldn't find it. 
otherwise I would have put it on the screen. But if, there was an, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If one of the guys could find it, WhatsApp it to me and I'll try and get it on the screen. Serious question, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you have to think about the answer, we might be in choppy waters. The answer is that we should all be convicted because everything about our lives screams the kingdom. The way we treat each other, the way we treat our boss at work, even if he doesn't like you or she doesn't like you, the way that we engage with society, our whole life should radiate the light and the love and the truth of the gospel. Think about it for a second. When someone attacks you as a Christian, what are they actually attacking? Are they attacking your skin color? Are they attacking your gender? Are they attacking your social status? Are they attacking your cultural beliefs? What, are they attacking your football club? I could certainly do that for one or two of us in the room. What are they attacking? They're attacking your Christian values. So the question in that moment is, are you going to stand or are you going to fall? Because every day you have an opportunity to choose that. I want to give us three areas to consider. One, your mentality, also known as your belief system. Your beliefs are solely responsible for your behavior. So I want some of us to think for a moment your mentality. What is your mentality shaping? Because, you know, so often if our mentality isn't Christ-centered, isn't Christ-focused, if you feel low and you feel depressed and you feel sad, that's what you transmit, that's what you convey. If you always feel like a victim, that's what you will convey. If you always feel like somehow you're not achieving what you think you're going to achieve, that's what you will convey. So I want you to ask yourself, write it, write it down, you should still have the notes open, what am I conveying in my mentality? Am I a can-do-it type of person, or am I always finding excuses? Am I always finding a way of not engaging with society, not engaging with my colleagues at work, not helping people come to a knowledge of Christ? Because our actions, or inactions, by the way, are a reflection about what we believe. Not doing something is as powerful as doing something. So I want you to think about that for a moment. Our values are a direct result of what we consider to be true. You know, often you hear in today's pluralistic world, well, truth is subjective. You know, it might be true for you, but it's not necessarily true for me. The result is very clear in the Scriptures. Jesus says what? I am the way, one way. He's not offering alternatives to that. He's not even saying I'm the best way. He is saying I am the way. And then he says I am the truth, one truth, and I am the life. That's what we have to hold fast to in our lives. What is the source of your belief system? It is either the kingdom or it's the world. Kingdom beliefs are formed by this. It's called the Bible. This is what will shape our lives. This is what will shape our hearts. This is what will shape our mind, not our circumstances, not our situations. That was the whole purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. The words of Jesus challenged the listeners to examine their beliefs. It was his intent to produce a new set of beliefs that would translate into different behavior. That was the precursor to the next step. Who is your master? You know the phrase, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Has anyone been there? Anyone experienced that? I certainly know I was recently suggested to me that there might even be a little bit of my life that's not fully redeemed. I'm still, still working on that, right? But the reality is it's, it's true. 
is if Jesus isn't Lord of all, and often we say the songs, we sing the songs, we say the words, we believe it, but then we don't live it out. There's such a gap between what we say and what we believe and what we then subsequently live out that we need to find ways today of narrowing the gap. The world and our own hearts will always tell us that we are our own master. You know, there was a time a few years ago now uh, where I was Lord of my own life. Nobody, and I mean nobody, could tell me what to do, how to dress, what to say. There's only about two people in the room that would remember this. It's a few years ago. And for, for a season, it was like I was, there was just no capacity for anyone to speak into my life. And you know the problem with that is when things go wrong, I blame anyone but me. But when things go right, I reinforce that I'm Lord of my own life. Have you ever been in those situations? Have you got people in your life that should have permission to speak into situations, but you have told them no because you want to be Lord? Or we often have situations where we don't want to be told the truth because the truth actually cuts and hurts us, and so we go to people that tell us what we want to hear and not what we need to hear. There is a massive distinction. True friendship, your real friends, the people that will champion you as you shape your culture, will be the people that tell you what you need to address and not what you want to address. We have to be open to that. We have to not take offense. We need to not become defensive. We need to not get hurt. We need to not allow ourselves to become uh, obnoxious or rude and start highlighting the flaws in the other person. We need to accept it in love, assuming it's spoken in love which you will need to filter and discern yourself, but if you know the person well, they should be communicating it in love. They are basically trying to help you shape your culture, where you do life, because they want to see you succeed. They want to see you flourish. The kingdom lifestyle says that we are to be disciples taking up our cross daily. Doing it once, 20 years ago, is not sufficient. I thought, I thought that was the way as well. You know, you pick up my cross, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and then like four days later, you know, he's over there and I'm over here. It doesn't work. Every single day. Every single day we have to die to self, we have to pick up our cross and follow him. We are told that if we live our own life, we will lose it. However, if we lose it, we will find life with the king. So my question to you today is, who is in charge of your life? And before you say, Jesus, Sunday school answer, think think, take a second, did you do everything Jesus told you to do this week? Did you pick up the phone to your family member and bring restoration to the argument that you had last week? Did you treat your boss lovingly, even though they are treating you poorly? Before we say yes, and it's very easy to say yes, because we want, sometimes, sometimes we can deceive ourselves, Think about that for a moment. And by the way, if you don't think you can be deceived, you're already deceived. Yeah? Just to help you with that one. Addressing the mentality and the master issues now lead to a change in morality. If we allow human morality to shape our life about what is wrong or right, guaranteed we will go with the wind, go where the wind goes. We will change with the culture and times. The things that you previously did not permit, you will start to permit. The thoughts that you previously said you would never have, you start to endorse. And actually, you end up affirming and teaching them. Divine morality is based on God's word. It is infallible, inerrant, never changing, and is as consistent as he is. The greater the divide between human and divine morality, the greater the visible contrast between demonstrations of the kingdom. This then reveals transformation in our lives, in our beliefs, as we place Jesus at the center of our lives. So Psalm 1, verse 3, 
and you will be like a tree planted by a river who produces fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does will prosper. Do you want to prosper today? Give me some conviction in that. Yeah? Amen? Yes? Amen. I want to suggest that some of us need to, need to let go of some stuff so that we, our hands are able and capable to pick up some new stuff for the kingdom. If so, do not waste any time chasing worldly things that are destined to die. Embrace God's blessings. Whatever belongs to Christ will remain forever. The righteous cannot do anything but prosper when walking with God because godly prosperity does not necessarily manifest itself in materialistic things. It manifests itself in virtue. Therefore, the prosperity of the righteous is revealed in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, humility, and temperance. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 through 3. You yourselves are your letter written on your heart, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You know, I, I've heard that phrase many, many times. You know, sometimes the only Bible that people will pick up is your story. I don't know who said it so I can't give the credit to whoever said it. But think about that for your own life. For a moment now, imagine that I am not a Christian and I meet you. What are you transmitting? What culture am I going to start to embrace? Am I going to understand things like integrity quite quickly from you? Or is that not clear? Am I going to hear about humility and grace and kindness? Or is that not quite so defined in your life? Because who we are, who we carry ourselves to be, we radiate to the world. And I don't know about you, but I've got to a place in my life and ministry where if I'm going to put God on display, so to speak, I want to put the best version of Him on display. The best version, not, not, not an adequate one that will just do for Sunday or do for Monday, but the best version. Ephesians 5 makes it very clear. Be imitators of Christ in all that you do offering up a sweet fragrance and sacrifice for the love that you have in Him. So what, what Ephesians is saying there is very clear, is that we are to imitate, we are to replicate, we are to become as close to Christ as we can possibly be in speech, word, conduct, in everything. And when they see that, they see change. And I, I guarantee it, you know, I've got, surprisingly, I have friends that aren't part of KT. Would you believe it? Shock, horror, I know. I know, I'm sure that's a sackable offense. Um, <laughs> but I actually do. You know, I have some friends that, that aren't Christians yet, amen, they're on their way, but I tell you what, when troubles hit their lives, I don't see them for six months, eight months, and they pick up the phone because so-and-so wants to get divorced or so-and-so has got a problem at work or this person's found they were cheating on so-and-so. It's amazing who they come to, right, when trouble hits their lives. The same is true for you. You can be a change agent in your family, in your friendship circles, in your workplace, if you choose to really ground yourself in who you are in God, you choose to ensure that He is Lord of every area of your life, we can't just say the words. It has to be true. It has to be true. And then from there, you're best positioned to put God's love on display. So some points of reflection. How do the kingdom advance and culture-making go together? 
in our homes, in our workplaces, in our communities, we are to reveal God in different ways. You know, we serve a God who's multifaceted, who can express His love to us in a multitude of different ways. So we don't have to go the tried and trusted method of, oh, come to church with me. Sometimes it's just picking up the phone. Sometimes it's going to meet them where they are. That's how you're going to connect with people's hearts. We reveal Him by speaking the truth. We reveal Him by being concerned for others, and we reveal Him by putting His character on display. God is the one who has given each person in this place gifts and talents. We can put His beauty on display every single day of the week. You have an opportunity at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning when you get to work to put God's beauty on display. You are a citizen doing kingdom work that glorifies the King, and in doing that, you create culture and extend the kingdom. So take a moment to think about some of the things that you've written on your notes and recognize that when you fulfill the purpose for which you were created, think of it this way, you're creating kingdom culture. And that indeed is why you were created. Ephesians 2 verse 10, we were created for His workmanship to do great deeds from long ago. A theologian, some theology for you to consider, Ronald T. Michener says this for Christians, Christians must draw on the narrative of Scripture to make sense of the world. Christians are not isolated from the pluralistic world, but Christians should apply biblical narrative which creates and sustains the world on its own. Do not allow mixture to creep into your life. God desires purity of heart, purity of mind, purity of body. Don't allow mixture to creep in whereby the world starts impacting you. We are called to impact the world. We're called to create culture that will shape and define the world. So another question or another thing to consider is are you a thermostat or a thermometer? One measures the temperature, one sets it. I would encourage you, set the temperature. Amen? Stanley Highway says, a theologian's task is not making the gospel credible to the modern world, but making the world credible to the gospel. If we always work from the world to the relevance of the gospel, we continually compromise the gospel narrative for the sake of relevance. But if we work from Scripture, an ever-changing place, an ever-changing world will find its place in the gospel. You know, in conclusion, friends, the blatant reality is we cannot expect people to believe in an invisible God when they see no visible difference between our lives and theirs. As citizens of His kingdom, we are to live a lifestyle that is attractive to Him. We radiate His light, we radiate His love, we radiate His truth. Throughout Scripture, you will find promises that God has placed in your life, hoping that not only you will claim them, but He will claim you. Make no mistake, as I wrote this on, on, on my Facebook the other day, Christianity without the supernatural is like Samson without hair utterly powerless to reach this generation. People want to see a demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles. Only then will this generation bow the knee to Jesus. But recognize also, sometimes God doesn't want to do things for us as much as He wants to do things through us. The Holy Spirit's been given to every person in this room without measure. All the measurements that we set up are on our side of the equation. And know this, as you go into your workplace tomorrow morning, never fear criticism. Never fear criticism. Fear conformity. That stunts your soul. Conformity will stunt your soul. You cannot have 
everyone's approval and God's anointing at the same time. It's a fact. So I encourage you, reach for God's anointing. Step out. And remember, when God looks at you, He never sees anything wrong with you. Only what is missing from your experience of Him. If we are living in the light of God's reality for glory, we are living as kingdom citizens, and we are preserving, cultivating, creating a kingdom advance and a kingdom culture. Ultimately, we are called to create a culture that reveals the reality of God. That's just another way of saying that we are to glorify God in all that we do. Amen? Amen. 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 Shall we stand this afternoon? I want us to take some time just to respond to that, to respond to the different areas that I've mentioned, because there will be things there, maybe not all of that is relevant for you, but there will be something that's relevant. I want you to think about your life, think about where you're putting your trust, consider who is your master, reflect on your mentality and your thoughts that line up with that mentality, and then decide on your morality. Are you going to go with divine morality or are you going to go with human morality? And then decide if you're actually going to stand up and step out and be an agent for God that He has placed you exactly where you are right now. You know, God never makes mistakes. So you sitting here saying, oh, I'm not called to be in that workplace. I'm not meant to be there. No, 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 no. You are exactly, you are exactly where God wants you to be because if He didn't want you there, you'd be somewhere else. Amen? Amen. So celebrate where you are. Celebrate who you are and celebrate what you are, but declare His goodness, declare His grace, declare His culture and His truth at every opportunity. So the team are going to lead us in a worship song, but as they do that, take some time to reflect on these things because you are a change agent where you are. Nobody else can do the assignment that God has placed in your life right now. That's why you're there. So rejoice in that. Amen.